Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Eventually, I come across, I guess some people call them elves, aliens, spiritual beings, what have you. The gentleman who was introducing it to me said, no, 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 you need to take one more big hit. The DMT space that you go to when you fully immerse yourself in the experience is the same place that you go or that you are right before you're waiting to be born. Welcome to Weird Tales the Unexplainable. This is the psychedelic phone-in episode. Um, it's been a long time coming. Been a long time coming, yeah. Um, we recorded some of these interviews last year. Yeah. Um, but it got pushed back for various reasons, and it's finally going up. I thought it'd even be released. <laughs> That's how long ago it was. I thought it'd been released already. No, this this show's going to be compiled with like three conversations we had, um, and it's going to be a companion episode to the psychedelic experience, which was episode number... Eight was it? Okay, oh. might guess. be right. Yeah, it might be right. Close. Eight was about Eight right. For... I should probably introduce myself. I'm yeah. I'm the host of the psychedelic phone in. Well, you're not. You don't talk through the whole the conversations. <laughs> I'll introduce my hosts for the day. No, you're um... doing it. <laughs> it's you. It's yeah. You know. It's, you know. Yeah. I'm going to go off the wall on this episode. Oh, We're not going to introduce eight. ourselves yeah. at all. Well done, number eight. So this is finally number the eight. companion to episode number eight. Okay, fanboy over it. And um, we've got three guests that we speak to. So what we're going to do, just record this intro and then just play the guests back to back. Yeah. All right. Okay, so look forward to hearing three people call in and talk about drugs for the next hour. Have fun. Psychedelic drugs. And we'll be back to record the outro. Blaze up a doobie while you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) Blaze up. How's it going, Weird Tales team? Hey. Hey, is this Ted? This is Ted. Hey Ted, it's Beef here, you right? Yeah, I'm great. So you, did you give our other episode a listen, the Psychedelic Experience one? I did, yeah, I was able to listen to it last night. Oh, okay. Um, Obviously, if you listened to it yesterday, you it's quite fresh in your head, but me and Beef especially really didn't have any knowledge at all at the start of that episode. Sure. Yeah, no, I think that was clear in the episode. Yeah. <laughs> and Tiss only had and, a little and, bit. You know, I think listeners... I think listeners could tell that. Yeah. Um, um, absolute basics. I mean, what made you um, get inter- interested in like the whole psychedelic experience and and things in general anyway? My interest uh, basically in the whole psychedelics thing came out of uh, reading, 
just anything I could get my hands on when I was in high school. Um, but then there was a long period of college in thereafter um, where I, I didn't think about them or go near them. It just wasn't a big deal to me. Um, and in high school, I did experiment with psychedelics, but I think my experiences really were wildly different from the way I'd use them now, only because in high school, you're still figuring out what type of people you want to hang out with, who's really your friend, things like that. Um, And I think I had just really basic issues that are, you know, the first thing the psychedelic experience addresses, you know, how are you dealing in your social interactions? How are you, you know, treating your neighbor? All of these things that a high schooler oftentimes isn't doing that great at just because, you know, they, they don't even have the vocabulary to deal with that type of thing yet. Um, so I think I had less than um, amazing experiences with them in high school, despite being fascinated with them. Um, however, taking a long, long break, probably about a decade, um, and then returning to them in a wildly different way, um, with very serious intent, um, and just trying to make the most about what I'd learned from them way back when and using them so that they'd actually benefit me now, um, less in a recreational way. I'd never say, oh yeah, I'm going out and getting fucked up tonight on psychedelics. It's always, I'm doing some work tonight with psilocybin or whatever. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. So yeah. So it's fair to say that when you were in high school, it was more just the fascination, and you're like, okay, cool, I'll give that a go. And, and now there's like a purpose behind it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think even when it comes to like, who knows, making art or um, visiting your family or whatever, I think you know everyone has a little more intent and should at least be a little more thoughtful in how they do things compared to how they did them when they were in high school so i suppose it's just another reflection of that too yeah i definitely need to take drugs when i go see my family <laughs> yeah I, I mean sounds like we have the same family <laughs> yeah. i don't know if you want to just talk us through some of the experiences you've had i've i've never experienced any kind of i've never had any kind of drug use in my life at all um not for any particular reason i've just never done it so for me, it's sure. really interesting to hear other people's experiences. So I don't know if you want to just tell us a couple right now. or Yeah, for sure. Well, there's a lot to choose from. So this is a DMT-centric. Uh, we mainly spoke about DMT and mushrooms when they're the things we're most interested in. But I think DMT in particular is is what Tiss had an interest in. Is that right, Tiss? Oh, and, and mushrooms. I love mushrooms. Oh, both, right? Yeah. Okay. Both. Sure. My first DMT experience was probably five or six years ago. Um, I was visiting uh, the local guy you buy pot from. I was going to go get some weed. And I went with a friend from work. We went over to his place and he had the infamous DMT in front of him. Um, And he was ready to share it. Now, the context I had concerning DMT was knowing about it from my research in high school. This is the end of the 90s when I was doing this research, and I I can't even begin to tell you how much culturally 
DMTs progressed between now and then. Um, I talked to a lot of people who've found out about it in this new big wave of DMT where, you know, Rick Strassman's spirit molecules started getting a lot of attention and ayahuasca retreats are, you know, popular. Back then, nobody had ever heard of or seen DMT and it was almost like a myth. Do you think it's real? Because people would describe it, it sounded bananas and nobody had seen it. And combined with, there weren't all the extraction texts that there are now. So it's not something that people could whip up in their homes. Um, if you were getting it, it came from a chemist. It was just a different landscape. So when it was introduced to me on my first experience, it was a very, wow, holy Toledo, this is going to be, this is going to be intense moment because I, I, I'd been thinking about it for years and years and years. And it was almost the one psychedelic that I didn't pursue tracking down too much either, only because it did sound so intense. Flash forward to heading over to the local pot distributor's basement, and he pulled out the DMT pipe. My experience will probably sound vaguely similar to a, you know a lot of the other people's, but when it happened, I, I genuinely couldn't believe what was happening to me. I took the first two hits and blew it out. I immediately just was shocked. In high school, I had taken pretty, what McKenna might call heroic doses, you know, really deep trips, like, you know, eight grams of mushrooms and, you know, seven hits of LSD, really, really heavy duty stuff. So I knew what going really far out there looked like. Around the second or third hit, I remember just looking at the room and saying, whoa, this is very rapidly going from zero to what I thought was 10, looking at the room and looking at geometry, pouring out of walls, just pretty standard threshold DMT stuff. But I thought that was all it was going to have to show. And then, of course, like any good DMT introduction should have, I, I, I thought I had had enough. And of course, the gentleman who was introducing it to me said, no, 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 you need to take one more big hit. And of course, I take the big hit. And then the room I was in uh, disappeared. All of a sudden, on either side of the TV, in perfect mirror image stereo, two women stepped out of the TV. And you know, they, they didn't look like women with skin or, um, you know, standard mammalian features, but it, it was definitely the anthropomorphic outline of a woman made up of just kind of like crossing lasers. Um, so wow. we're looking at an outline of a woman that's made up of lasers, and there's two of them. And Everything they say, they say in unison at the same time. Um, and everything they do, they're mirroring each other. They step out of the TV, and I can't believe what I'm seeing. In moments of genuine panic, you probably won't say anything or do anything in a car accident. Mm. It, you, you might just be looking at the incident and watching it happen, almost as if you're not a part of it. That's how I felt. I'm just watching this because I have no way to address this experience. I, I don't have the, you know, social education to know how to grapple with something so bizarre. And as soon as I start to think, 
oh, this is this is really strange. I should ask someone what to do. They say in unison, don't worry, don't be afraid, just relax, just enjoy it, try and take it all in. Um, a lot of language like that, that after mm. this experience I'd come to learn was, you know, pre-typical language to come out of a DMT entity or whatever you you want to call it. Mm. But that's like language that a lot of people hear. They basically reassured me, made me feel comfortable. And as soon as that happened, I started going through the tunnel, another super characteristic part of okay. a DMT trip. Most of the reports I read of people, you know, going for a true quote-unquote breakthrough dose, they'll enter a tunnel or something similar as they're crossing through. Um, as yeah. I'm passing through the tunnel, mostly made up of just bright red and yellow uh, flashing colors, it doesn't necessarily have very sound structure or anything. It's more just colors and tunnel, maybe like the end of 2000. Have you guys seen 2001 Space Odyssey and remember the end? When that's he starts exactly going. what I was about to compare it to, actually. Yeah. That's how I yeah. was imagining it myself. So, so, yeah, it definitely looked a lot like that. And then, sure enough, boom, it stopped immediately. And I was in whatever you want to call the space I stayed in for the rest of the experience. I think at the last moment, I was looking at something that I, I thought was very reminiscent of seeing a supernova, both because it was so big and very celestial looking, and it definitely seemed like an explosion. Flying through the tunnel, big explosion, now I'm just in a room, and they're just these cubes that I began interacting with and playing with. Suddenly, they're saying things not too dissimilar from what the two women from the start of the experience were saying. Uh, you know, a lot of take it all in, you know, try and remember as much as you can. You're going to forget a lot of this. Just tips that anyone should really be saying to enjoy a DMT trip. The difference was the women at the beginning of the trip, they spoke out loud. I could hear these words. They were, it, there was genuine audio phenomenon. Yeah. Once I got into whatever you want to call this last room, this last space where everything was just some type of geometric uh, manifestation of the DMT trip. At this point, all dialogue was happening in a like a telepathic kind of way. There wasn't any audio phenomenon to speak of. And essentially, yeah, I was just kind of playing with these very big, maybe like a little shorter than a meter Rubik's Cube type of things that were talking to me and telling me just to enjoy it. The same sense of familiarity that a lot of users report. Yeah, it was definitely, uh, if anything, just... A very typical, but at the same time, your classic DMT trip uh, with all the with all the fixins that everyone else seems to report. Mm -hmm. Wow! Yeah, Tissy, when you hear the experiences like that, when people give their their accounts, mm -hmm. does it enthuse you more to want to do it yourself? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like I've heard so many accounts, and uh, seeing all the links between them is. Uh... Yeah, it makes you want to be a part of that, I guess. Mm. Drugs for me have it's always been the sort of thing that I'm I'm happy for other people to do. Um, I've always said this to you guys before. Like for me, I would be the guy that died. <laughs> <I don't... laughs> oh, really? You're that worried? I, no, no, no. I just um, 
I'm not very good at listening to instructions when um, when I have to listen to instructions. <laughs> so I know that I would do it wrong and I'd be the statistic in the paper that we all see. Well, you'd smoke five hits. i do something, yeah, I, 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 too, I do too much or like freak out and kill myself or I don't know. I just, so I'm happy for the people to do it and like it sounds awesome. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know, I feel like there's times in my life where I would definitely have gone for it place I am now, I feel like, oh, that's too much for me. But then I don't know if I, if there's a place in my life, like, further down the line where I'd be open to it again, where I'd be like, actually, yeah, I do want to try that. I can very easily go on both sides of the coin. My initial first reaction would always be, if you're hesitant, not quite sure, stay in the no camp. Don't yeah, do yeah. it. I've had difficult experiences with DMT. They are absolute nightmares tremendously more so than any of the other psychedelics because they really rattle you and uh you'll be stuck thinking about it for days and days afterwards um whereas if you have a hard time on mushrooms or lsd you know it's it's hard getting through the experience but once it's over and done you usually feel a bit better dmt's spooky it just kind of haunts you Mm, after on the on the other side of the coin um I always told people uh, that first experience uh, in terms of positive effects, I I never experienced such profound, lasting positive effects. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, ooh, I have a deeper appreciation for, you know, Chaucer all of a sudden. No, uh, it was, I immediately, and still to this day, it stuck with me, uh, just no longer had a fear for death. Just having that slight shift in how you look at the world uh, is pretty profound. That's not something I feel like I would have need to have supplemented with more doses down the road to make sure it stayed with me. I think it was just a, you do it once and that's turned on inside of you. The other thing is it switched me from being a staunch, staunch atheist to being a spiritual person. Wow. I think some people report that, but for me that was huge just because of how strict and militant of an atheist I was. And I, I thought it did the impossible. Um, it put, you know, sense of spirituality in, in you know. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think for me is, um, I know this is a bit different, but you'll have to just kind of go with me on this one. Um, like for me as a Christian, I've had experiences, um, and like it's, um, it is a dream. Like it happens at night, but I, I have experiences similar to that where I see amazing things and like experience colors that I've never seen before and like, like incredible things. And like I've seen angels and had some really crazy stuff happen. Like it feels so real that when I wake up, I'm more tired because it feels like I've been doing like, sure. wait, like, so wow. yeah, yeah, it's kind of, it is like lucid dreaming. I've only had it happen a few times. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, I, I, that was going to be my question was like, would you now liken it to like an ex- a spiritual experience for you now that you do it, you've gotten into it? You know, it depends. It can be. And then I'm, I'm pretty familiar with it at this point. I uh, genuinely always keep it around. It's not something, you know, you do every day or every week. But I always have it around in case someone shows up who hasn't tried it, who'd like to or something like that. Yeah. Um, 
but it really depends on the context. I can say almost for certain if I, which I'll frequently do, I'll take it out into nature, not sitting in my room, I'll go to a park. If I'm by myself in nature, it, I can almost guarantee a spiritual experience. Um, in my room might depend on my day and my mood and what's going on and kind of my intent that I go into it with, but it doesn't have to be. There's a sense of everything being a bit transcendental, but I'd be careful to say spiritual more more so than, you know, anything this kind of mystical kind of assumes a spirituality to it. But I, I guess the big thing is, you know, you hear a lot about like, like the real true uh, mystics and yogis are, or even like dudes like Ram Dass or something. All these deep spiritual people always have seem to have this really quirky sense of humor. And I feel like that's just always implicit in the DMT. It's, you know, just as much as you're going to be seeing this earth shattering metaphysical, you know, display in front of you. There's probably going to be a couple corny jokes that get slipped in there as well. Um, (laughs) So I guess it's just what you're focusing on. I kind of like the sound of that, though, like getting back to nature and, you know, making it that sort of experience. It's just you can't guarantee that's the experience you're going to (laughs) get. I can speak to that, uh, the the, the humour. When I'm on mushrooms, sometimes it will make my brain sort of go back and forth between it and it will culminate in this sort of weird private joke in my head and i'll just laugh out loud and it's hilarious it happens so many times sure i i think mushrooms have a very very uh distinct and weird sense of humor yeah but, it's like dualistic uh, it will send me here meaning that that meaning that and then it will all sort of connect and then i'll just sit back and it will just be a big joke that it's connected to it's yeah it's hilarious yep it always <laughs> has this see i told you kind of thing going that's on it or... that's exactly it yeah yeah that's why i love it um <laughs> like, I, i'm just you talked briefly about like so you've had some really like horrible stuff happen as well when you've been on dmt like i have you got a couple of things um yeah you'd like to say about that yeah, yeah I haven't um, heard a bad trip yet. No, that's In what fact, I mean. Personally, I've not heard a bad trip. I've not heard. DMT. Yeah, every, every time we've heard stories about DMT, it's always been, um, it's always been like a bad, you know, a good stuff or good trips or really good experiences. Like I've never heard. Um, yeah. yeah. So, or if it has been bad, it's been bad, but then in a roundabout way, kind of good because it kind of rocks you a bit and you kind of sure. maybe needed it. Um, well, I'm of the thinking that there always is something good to be obtained from it. With that said, I've had a few nightmarish experiences. One was maybe close to two years ago. I had had just obtained some DMT. I wasn't familiar with how to extract it myself yet or anything like that, but I had obtained some. I, I just wasn't in a position in my life where I should have been playing around with psychedelics. I had gone through a breakup, was out drinking too much, and was just burning the candle at both ends, trying to just make it to work and really, you know, not living very healthy or well. Thankfully, you know, the DMT, along with a handful of other things, pointed to the issue and allowed me to correct that behavior. But immediately once I got in, I knew it wasn't going to be pleasant. What happened was I had all the lights out in my room, 
save for a candle. The candle's flame just kind of started moving and positing itself at different dots throughout the room. The room just turned into a night sky. So I'm sitting in my bed in my bedroom, and instead of seeing just the one candle flame, I'm looking at a night sky filled with stars. Slowly, some of these stars started to move and rotate really quickly, creating points like almost as if you'd see a constellation drawn out on paper. But They're oscillating. Suddenly, these points gave way to giant 30 or 45-foot snake's head. Um, But it's like a star's snake's head. Yeah, I had the deepest fear. I was pretty sure that even knowing 100%, the number one rule is to remind yourself it's just a drug. It'll be over soon. Nonetheless, it, it was just escaping me the same way being lucid will escape you in a dream no matter how hard you're practicing sometimes. I I was convinced that this constellation snake was going to swallow me whole. And for whatever reason, I got this urge or vibe in my head that essentially said, well, this snake's about to eat you. You're dead anyways. You can either fall on the ground and crumble or you can just dive into the snake. So I dove into the snake and... It's another tunnel experience. Uh, I'm going down the snake's star throat, uh, and I'm being devoured by the snake. And it, yeah, it just felt like a long, long period of tumbling and experiencing my own death from a celestial predator. It was pretty creepy. And there wasn't any resolve. I've had other creepy experiences that have some kind of resolve in the end where You know, it started out a little spooky, but it kind of made way for something that that balanced out the experience. This this experience was just strictly dark, falling down the throat of a snake until the experience was over. Came out in a puddle of sweat, and and I don't think I I touched it for a really long time after that. But then again, I also knew right away when I came out, Oh, you dummy, you have all of these very serious issues going on in your life. This really isn't the time to go messing with DMT. So it kind of spanked me, or what they call a hyper slap. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, it sounds sounds as if um, when you take it, it's like, what's the word I'm looking for? So like, depending on the mood you're in, does that kind of direct the kind of trip you're going to have, would you say? in, In some ways, yeah, but in other ways less so than with the you know classic ones lsd mushrooms um that's like set and setting you know psychedelics 101 is to pay attention to your set and setting like your mindset going into it and then your setting like the room you're in there's an element of unpredictability with dimethyltryptamine that's not as profound with mushrooms and lsd there's no way you can plan for anything on the dmt trip Uh, it's just going to do whatever it's going to do and you're party for that right and and how long um would you say like i know it's sometimes hard to but if it was me i'd want to know how long the trip was i don't know why do you know how long they last for yeah i mean never more than 10 minutes depending on where your trip takes you it could be as short as two minutes and then you'll have an eight minutes of afterglow or if you get really sucked into this you know hyperspace and you're engaging with characters and stuff and you're just into it 
it might just last almost the whole 10 minutes and there's not much afterglow to speak of because once that 10 minutes is over, you're out of it. Um, I think most users should expect, you know, four to five minutes of really being deep in it and then another, you know, five or six minutes of pretty intense afterglow. But, you know, the afterglow visually it looks like you'd eaten 15 hits of LSD, an obscene amount. Your friends can be looking at you from the other side of the room and they're just composed of, you know, geometric figures. But you're still going, Whew, I'm down now. I'm, I'm safe. Just because compared to where you were minutes earlier, it, that's what it seems like. All right. I listened to the Psychedelic Experience podcast. I, I definitely enjoyed it, if not for any other reason than because you guys as a panel is real different compared to most podcasts you listen to covering this topic are given by, you know, people who are genuine enthusiasts and are taking psychedelics all the time. So to hear people talking about it who are coming at it with an open mind but have zero interest in taking them, I, I thought it was refreshing. I thought it was cool. Oh, that's, um, that's kind of how we approach every topic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. It was fun to listen to. Thank you. Awesome. Um, well, thanks for talking to us today. Thanks again, yeah. guys. That's Cheers, excellent. Ted. Thanks a lot, Ted. Thanks, mate. Bye. Thanks, mate. Bye. Bye. You guys have heard quite a lot of accounts now. Do you think the connections between them are starting to... Are you starting to put links between them, or are you seeing them as totally separate events? Um, there's certain elements. The... There's certain elements that are similar. So the like the tunnel and um, and the, the, there's always there always seems to be a person or an entity or something there to like guide you through the experience. It's hmm. so, like he was talking about the women. Like the guy before was talking about like um, I want to say goblins. It wasn't goblins, but they were like he said they were like small elves or like pictures. Like, yeah, yeah. We've talked. We've heard a few times there about few, like, the elves. There seems to be something guiding you through. So there's certain elements, but every elves trip and, seems and, to be um, different. Yeah, machine elves is a big mm. one that everyone talks about. So, but I meant like just the fact that it taps into this side, which is like a spiritual side. It, you know, spiritualism isn't like something you can locate in the brain, but somehow it's almost a like atheists can just be like activated you know? it's almost like um see i think of it as um like removing your like your flesh it removes your worldly like your worldview it removes like whatever net whatever it is that like mm. like kind of keeps your mind like bogged down it kind of mm. removes everything it's that like it, you got a netting around your yeah, brain it's and like it peels it, removes, it back and it, it removes can... a veil like it takes something yeah, over yeah. for example like sometimes when i pray i do that like so i spend a few time a few minutes just like trying to be mindful of whatever it is that's around me that's just like, and I try and drop everything and then um, enter into like a meditative, like prayer type thing. Mm. And it's a similar kind of experience where you, you just, you're not aware of anything else other than the fact that you have like unbelievable peace. And so it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of interesting. But as an atheist, you wouldn't even, I know you say you like you're an atheist. So yeah, it sounds like it just removes that I'm, block. I'm an open-minded atheist. <laughs> If such a thing exists. Yeah, think, I've never heard of one before. I think what it does is it takes all the assumptions you've made about everything that you know in life and just flips it. Mm. It just takes, you know, because when, when you're like 26 or whatever, or how old you are, you've built up this 28 now, understanding, yeah. understanding of what the world is around you. And you sort of, I think we all arrogantly sort of think 
Yeah, I kind of know what's going on. I can't, you know, I don't know exactly, but I kind of know what's going on. And then when something gets introduced at that age, especially where you're kind of more stubborn to new ideas, but it just sort of kind of forces you into them. That's when those kind of changes happen, you know. I, it's not that I'm close-minded to it. Like, I'm, it sounds fine. It's like it sounds great. It sounds like for people, it's like becomes almost like their not religion, what's the word? It's like, it's like, it, it's a commitment, isn't it? It's like, it sounds like it for him, it's like, I don't do it every weekend, but I do it like, it's like a committed mm. thing that becomes a part of your life. And it just sounds like, I'm, you know, sounds cool. But I, I don't think, I liked what Ted said about if you're slightly hesitant, you should don't, do it. Yeah. It should be something, no, I want to do it. Like, yeah. I'm strongly believe it's the oh, right yeah, thing for me. If, you, if you're hesitant, you shouldn't do it. Okay, so Wait. now let's go into another conversation. This is one we recorded um, at the end of last year. Hello? Hey. Hey, is it uh, Joshua? Yes, yes it is. Okay, so like, uh, when was the first time you took, like, psychedelics? My first experience was psychedelics in the traditional sense, um, LSD, magic mushrooms, uh, not getting into anything more complicated like like dissociatives and delirians, but your standard stuff, I was probably about 14 or 15 okay. when I first experienced with those. That's it, that's it, not unlike a... Not in a judgmental sense, but that seems younger than I was anticipating. I think I don't know. It is. It's. 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 It, it was quite young, and I honestly probably should have waited. It was available. I just happened to stumble into it. Most people that age, regardless of how curious they are, just are unable to find it. And I, I just happened to stumble across it, and I was curious. Yeah. Well, if, if, so? if I'm honest, if I stumbled across it when I was fourteen, fifteen, I probably would have done it as yeah, well. I think, like, I think yeah, all teenagers do, don't they? Uh, just for a bit of clarification, of the three of us that's here, two of us have never taken any psychedelics, and one of us oh, has okay. tried mushrooms, and that's it. So, oh, right on. It's everyone to their own pace. Uh, I mean, it's it's you know part of the experience is it's really beautiful when it kind of finds you as opposed to you go and like seek after it. It's it's kind of difficult to talk about hallucinogens because you can break it down in a really clinical sense. And you can explain what's chemi- what we know is chemically happening to the body, and you can try and explain your experience, but it's difficult for because there's not really anything relatable to it if no one's ever really experienced it. It's like trying to explain the color green to someone who was born blind. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. it's it's tricky, but you know when you find it and uh, I'm a, I'm a bit of a, a nerd in this subject, and it's actually. Uh, my main focus in school is neuropharmacology, and uh, I have a special interest in my heart for for botany, and would really like to pursue ethnobotanical studies. But that's years of schooling down the road, so we'll see. I try not to romanticize it too much, but I mean it's it's difficult. You can explain it clinically, you can explain it romantically, and you can explain it by just simply saying, "I don't know how to explain it." And somewhere in the walking between what you know how to do and what you can relate and between that unknown void that there's nothing really else relatable to is – it's finding that middle ground is really the trick to, to explaining it or getting your message across. And I think that's a, that's a big problem that some people – like some advocates have to exp- like to get the message out to people who haven't done it or perhaps don't have an interest in it. For me, it wasn't really something that was on my radar as such. Um, but in the last sort of six months, um, Tis, one of our other hosts here, he started um, looking into it and 
getting an interest in it and um, sort of researching DMT and, and psychedelics and um, eventually tried it for himself uh, yeah. fairly recently. Yeah. Sis, how, did you, how did you find your first uh, experience of... You, you took mushrooms, right? Truffles, yeah. Yes. Basically the same thing, yeah. No, it's great. It's amazing. Everything I wanted it to be. Um, <laughs> which is lucky because I've heard, you know, there's different stories, but it's definitely something that I'll be taking in the future. It's not it's not the end of that, but uh, yeah, it's hard to source stuff like that, really. Yeah. Like you said, it finds you, and when it finds you, it's usually the right time. But you, you're looking to pursue it further as well. Yeah, definitely. And you would eventually like to pursue it and, and try DMT as well. Oh, yeah, all of them, yeah, yeah. DMT, psilocybin more, LSD maybe. Okay. Yeah. So, um, Joshua, if, if if you will, and if you're happy to do it, um, talk us through like your first experience. And uh, again, if you're not happy to, j- just just say. But um, you know, what kind of stuff happened? What did you see? What happened afterwards? And you know, the whole process. What what did it look like to you? Which where, how would you like me to start with this? Tiss, Tiss what do you think? DMT. DMT. Yeah. I think that's what Tiss is most interested in hearing about the, the DMT stuff. <laughs> DMT and psilocybin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Um, well, I guess I'll start with the psilocybin. Uh, yeah. My first experience with that actually was I was I was in the southeast parts of the states when I was in my high school career, and uh, there's and they kind and there's a lot of farms in that area of the country, and so you know it's not it's everyone pretty much had shrooms like if you were if you were curious enough to look for them. So I just got some fieldy, what I'm assuming was just cubensis. I was it was my first experience. I was too excited and just kind of gobbled it down, which is I don't recommend unless you know a little bit about mushrooms because there's there's a couple really nasty ones that that look very similar to hallucinogenic ones. When I first took it, you know, you begin you begin to feel almost like a an ex, like a rush and it, it just an excited feeling, anticipation, like tension, but almost like euphoric as Strange as that is to describe it that way. My like my very first began to visualize, you know, the stereotypical like the walls were breathing, uh, um, things were kind of moving, huge tracer effects, uh, like just it almost looked like a like a panoramic photo when I moved my head and and how everything was sitting. Uh, closing your eyes, you get a lot of bright colors, geometric like visualizations. And uh, a lot of things start popping. Sound sounds a lot more, a lot more clear and sharp. And you notice so much more than you than you normally would with mm-hmm. like just whatever music your friends are playing or you're playing if you're doing it by yourself or you know whatever sounds are around you. Well, Colors begin to get a bit more vibrant. Is it like your your, your senses are sort of like heightened in a way? Yeah, that's um, that's a, that's a good way of putting it, um, and a lot of a lot of indigenous tribes. I mean, even even large hunting cats in South America, they'll take they'll take slightly psychoactive vines and they'll eat it to heighten their senses and suppress appetite and use it as a hunting aid. There's so much that we don't know. We just only really know enough about this and our brain chemistry in general to know how little we know. But it's it really does seem just the feeling you get it's almost as if your brain is functioning just so well that i mean aside from the obvious things that aren't there that you're seeing something for the for the first time in a way that you may never have even thought to look at it before emotional context and like 
that you've grown up with uh, just kind of fades away and allows almost like a newborn perception of something. You're for the first time you'll be able to look at words on a page and see it without without reading it. Mm. Not that you're unable to, but that you can just kind of dissociate everything that you've been trained to like view and feel of a certain object and look at it purely in just pure like objectivity. See, that sounds really appealing to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, not, I don't think I, it's something I would ever pursue, like psychedelics or anything. Um, but it does, whenever I hear it uh, explained, it, it mm. sounds appealing. So if you take, like, mushrooms and then you take DMT, is, like, DMT is a much, like, stronger thing, obviously. So yeah, well... Yeah. Is it, like, the same thing, but, like, more intense? Yes, and it's they're two there's certainly two separate entities yeah. and it's it really does like when you're on other other hallucinogenics i've actually never tried just mushrooms and dmt the and it's crazy that this is my first big mix of hallucinogens but uh, some old hippie friend of mine offered me what he called a soul crusher which was mescaline and mushroom tea and you take a hit of acid and you wait about 45 minutes when you do the come up and you blast off on dmt Whoa. and amazing when, i just want to say when you said that tiff's eyes lit up <laughs> <laughs> it was it was certainly an experience it's uh the DMT trip itself was just so much more. It was it was different, and it's it's DMT itself is such an interesting is such an interesting alkaloid. When you, for example, if you were to infuse it, some people like to infuse it with chonga, which is another just some other plant. I don't really know honestly. That's a plant I don't know too terribly much about, and I've only I've never done any reading on it, and I've only come across it once. But it's, it completely changes like how the DMT trip works. Like I guess the best way I can put it is when you take DMD by itself, everything's kind of sharp and geometric and really, really like like solid colors. And when you when you infuse it with Chonga and introduce that element, everything kind of becomes softer and more bubbly and almost cartoonish. Like my friend put it my favorite way. It's like <laughs> if you ever watched Yu-Gi-Oh as a kid, when they did the when the evil guy with one eye, whose name is escaping me at the moment, uh, he would he would make the cartoon versions of all the monsters. It's kind of like that's that's the element of Chonga coming in. And so when you introduce all these other things, it just completely makes it a very unique monster, so to speak. Mm. Wow. So um, one uh, one question I, I had, um, we were talking about psychedelics, as you know, and then um, I don't think it got aired, but I, I described um, the first, I was offered, it's like slightly different, but I was offered acid um, in San, Fran uh, San Francisco. I was there with a couple of other mates and we were traveling um, and I think I was 19. So, um, you know, if there was going to be a time in my life, I was going to try something new, it was going to be then. But I didn't really want the first time I did it to be with some homeless guy sat in a foreign country in a city I had no idea, you know, where I was. Uh, Which is understandable. And, uh, yeah, it seemed quite sensible at the time. But I guess um, perhaps I wish I'd have been a bit more adventurous when I was a teenager. But have you, um, we talk all, like, all the time about the good experiences and, and the bad. I mean, have you experienced, have you had a, a bad experience on, on any of the psychedelics or, or not at all? Well, I have a I have an interesting perception of like of what you would of what a bad a bad trip would be. It, 
doesn't it's not really the same type of thing and a lot of it has to do with just like the mentality you have going into it it's all it's everything 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 with or with drought drugs it's all in your head right so how you how you face it really dictates it and uh, i i grew up with my mom was a my mom was a rainbow kid in colorado in the 70s and uh, and one, one of the first books she gave me that introduced me to this was tales of the shaman's apprentice and they speak of like the batter or the darker chips as kind of a therapeutic demon facing thing and yeah. so i always kind of looked at it tried to look at it like that there's certainly there were there were scary and overwhelming and sometimes you get like introverted and like focus on an aspect of yourself that you don't like or a paranoia you have from my experience if you're able to to kind of push past it or accept the things that you can't accept or just realize that some some of the things you're worried about are silly or decide this is a serious issue i should really work on it it becomes yeah. less of a party thing and more of more meditative kind of like a like a quick little tune up and you can and like as long as you're able to just you come off of it and you you think about the things you thought about cuz you have to remember you are on a psychedelic sometimes the shit in your head is absolutely ludicrous <laughs> but you you take a second, you think about it, see what's rational, see what actually has some ground to it, and you can start making steps to improve these things that you weren't happy with or that made you uncomfortable or fears of yours. So would you um I mean that's interesting the way you, that I, that you describe it actually, and it's the way you perceive it. I mean, um, would you say it's, it sounds like it's more of a when you choose it, it's like a way of life. It's you know, and, and you take the good and the bad, and you you make of it what you will. And it, I suppose it's a, about the way you you look at it, really. Yeah, that's a that's a great way of putting it. Well, Tis said something similar. Tis on the when we talked about psychedelics before, you said um, that from what you've researched and what you've looked at, there's no such thing as a bad trip. Yeah, the bad trips are just the ones that necessarily I don't know. It's not always good to have your own bullshit put in front of you, but sometimes it's necessary. Like when you're having a bad day, you have a euphoria mm. after when you sort of get over it and you learn from it. It's like a bad trip. Like It's only bad if you don't learn anything from it. Yeah, yeah. you take the good days with the bad days and that's yeah, life. Yeah. If it's all one way, then it doesn't really work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Tiss, have you got any questions? Like, Does this resonate with your experience and... The way you feel about it as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I'm just enjoying listening. And so, is it, um, <laughs> is it like a um, like a regular thing for you, Joshua? Is it something you do quite a lot? I wouldn't say quite a lot. Um, hypothetically, I know how to. I'm I'm with my my scholastics being focused on chemistry and botany. Hypothetically, right. I am able to. I would be able to get things or get an interest in mycology and and get something going or theoretically isolate that alkaloid that's in mimosa root bark that beautiful dream molecule dmt but uh it's not really something some people would disagree with me on this but i just personally i don't feel it's like an every week thing i feel it's kind of like a, I need a new perspective or i feel like it's time to view things differently uh, a little reset button, as as one of my friends would put it, that just to kind of make your brain just go the right kind of askew to th- to see things in a new light. Mm. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Do you uh, what what would you describe the DMT entity as being and and the psilocybin? Because uh, Terence McKenna and Dennis McKenna kind of say that like DMT and ayahuasca is like sort of the Earth Mother. 
and that psilocybin's kind of an outer space, kind of asexual, alien kind of vibe. One thing you have to like remember about Terrence McKenna he he did not take a lot of mushrooms he had a bad experience if i recall my reading correctly and but he advocated the use of i feel that mushrooms are a bit more earthy and and grounded and you want to be in nature and i find that personally for me that dimethyltryptamine is more celestial and that's the more spacey breakthrough kind of kind of thing like it's interdimensional it's it's organic and sci-fi and alien and natural and you've known it all your life yeah yeah that's interesting the the extraterrestrial stuff is that um because we looked at that a little bit last time and some people described it as just like the feeling is very alien and extraterrestrial and spacey so you're right now yeah so the, yeah the feelings very extraterrestrial and spacey but then some people were saying you know it's genuinely like contact with alien life and stuff like that and it really got like far out there i wonder what your take on on that sort of more extreme views were well you know i can i can most definitely see it for me it's certainly celestial it's um like for example when when you first when you first take when you take that third hit when you know that you're about to break your earthly tether and you're you're about to blast off you get an auditory hallucination, almost like tinnitus. And people hear a high-pitched hum, people hear ringing, some people get the, uh, as they so elegantly put it, the wubs. <laughs> and there's actually a really interesting thing. If you if you go on, you can go on YouTube and find it, but radio telescopes pick up sounds of other planets. And it's really common that a lot of people, the, the, the hallucination that they hear, that ringing, that hum, everything, Everyone's, a lot of people experience it differently, but some people can say it sounds like this planet. It sounds like that galaxy. Mm. Mm. I love all that stuff. I love like the really extreme, crazy yeah, um, yeah. stories you hear. Because um, we talked, what was the other thing we talked about? We talked about the extraterrestrial stuff, but we yeah. also spoke about the um, like religious elements of it. There was um, yeah. people who have like read the Bibles. As that the oh, apple the, in the, the apple was, the was actually a mushroom and it opened their yeah. eyes and stuff like that as well. Yeah, yeah Gnosticism. Yeah. Have you ever um, looked into any of that sort of stuff, Joshua? Oh yeah, I, I actually have, and you know, a lot of it, like you can, you can even look back and see. I do believe it was Russian priests of the olden days would ingest a psychoactive mushroom and would urinate and people would would hallucinate would drink that and it would be a spiritual experience and you know a lot of people what you read and what you put into your mind is gonna i mean even without hallucinogens shape your perception on things it's gonna make you who you are it's gonna make you see a coincidence or an act of god or a proof of aliens or Whatever you want to call it, some unexplained thing, you're going to have your own. Tw- you're going to have your own take on it. You're going to have your own view from how you've been shaped from your environment, how you've been shaped because of who you are, and what you've pursued, regardless of your environment. But they're they're all factors that are going to play a big part into your perception of everything. Because when you really boil it down, everything is just a chemical reaction in your brain. Mm. Everything that you perceive, we could all be brains and vats. This could all be the dream of a dolphin. We can't, yeah. You don't really know for sure. Or a simulation. We've talked about that sort of thing before as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fun to think about. 
Um, how do I word this? Would you, for someone who has not taken it and is curious, you would you would recommend that it's something they try DMT? If they want to, if they want to do it, then I think that they should certainly do it. It's thought that we do it every night. It's just a theory. A lot of people think that DMT is the chemical reaction responsible for dreams. Some people think it's serotonin and dopamine, which you know, mushrooms and acid are play more with serotonin and to cause their hallucinatory effects. So, but, you know, there's only so much we know about about any type of neurochemistry. Mm. But if it's if it's something that that a person wants to do, then I say and you have the ability, you have the means, you should certainly do it. But be safe. Yeah. There are a lot of assholes out there, especially when it comes to unregulated chemicals. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, that's that That was my thinking when I was in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> risk it. Um, and you got to be careful with LSD, too. Like, a lot of people like to, to like use other analogs or research chemicals that in small doses could be fine. But if you eat it like acids, you can you could you could hurt yourself. Yeah. It's it's interesting you mentioned dreams because um, I don't know about you guys, but uh, and I'm guessing this is different. But I've had dreams that feel more real. You than said real that life. on the show. You said I've had dreams that are weirder than this experience. Someone yeah, I, yeah, and that's what I meant. Dream. I think I think when people may have listened to that, it came across as a negative aspect. I didn't mean it negative. I was just saying I've had dreams that feel way realer than than real life, yeah. and like and and the colours are like alive and. It's like, I wish I could have that dream every night. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, so I yeah. kind of... You took a bit of shit on the last episode for saying that. Yeah, I did, like, yeah. Oh, he didn't seem very interested in yeah. the psychedelic stuff. He's yeah, had we, had some, about. we had some bad feedback because people thought <laughs> I was being negative. But I, I really wasn't. I was just... Uh, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's interesting you mentioned dreams. Sis, this DMT discussion... Yeah. How is it standing with you in terms of, like, you wanting to pursue... What do you mean? Trying it yourself. Uh, what do you mean? Like, you, do you is it more, is it further? Yeah, are you more enthused to do it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a question for you, Tess. Actually, okay. What was it that caught your interest in the subject in the first place? Oh God, that's so hard to explain. Really, try and um, boil it down. Um, God, it's such. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's it's just something I've always been interested in—the weird side of things and, and thinking outside the box and psychedelics is the outside the box thinking tool what, so, so it opens your brain a bit more well yeah it dissolves that. boundaries that's what I found anyway it felt like it dissolved every boundary and yeah just every emotion just happened at the same it's so, it's so hard to, to put into language because language isn't too imperfect to describe such a perfect experience in my opinion fair enough yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't, if there was anything else you wanted to share to share with us, Joshua. Um, if you guys, I, the only other thing I could think of adding is if you guys would like to hear of my my perception of a really intense DMT trip, I'd be more than happy to share that. I didn't get around to that when I was talking about the mushrooms. Definitely, yeah. Definitely. yeah. yeah. Uh, a, a particularly intense experience. Uh, I took it with a, I infused it with an MAOI that my buddy had, and which which kind of makes the trip it, it makes it easier to initiate it's it lasts a tiny bit longer becomes a bit more vivid as long as you're not taking any ssri based antidepressants because maois don't don't play well with those but so we sat there and we smoked it we uh we did that of a bowl actually 
and just very lightly hit it, and we would just pack a new one for each person. And as I get the ringing in my ears and the pressure on my chest, I looked up, and I saw the best way I can describe it is that Southwestern Native American-style artwork looking eagle, soaring, just, just flying multiple of them, flying in circles of almost a burnt chrome or spilt oil-looking color. And I kind of reached up to grab it, and it jerked me out of my body, and I could look down, I could actually see all of us from a bird's-eye view sitting around the campfire in my buddy's backyard, just kind of staring intently and with wonder just into space or into grass or whatever everyone was looking at. And I, this eagle rips me through, and I fly, I fly through the cosmos. I, I fly through everything that my mind can possibly perceive about space and time. And I go, and I, it takes me to this translucent, imagine a marble texture, but with that same kind of burnt chrome coloration to it. And every time, and just this huge platform with pillars and staircases that were floating in midair and went to places that couldn't be seen or just went to nowhere everywhere around me. And there's just one walkway that I was on lined with pillars. And I walk down it, and every step I take, it just ripples out. You can see the colors changing. Everything like is looking different. I see patterns creeping out through the ripples as I take every step towards. And I walk. Eventually, I come across. I get some people call them elves, aliens, spiritual beings, what have you. And I sat down and talked with it. And it spoke in a way that I can't replicate or to begin to describe. And in a, a type of communicate, verbal communication or auditory communication that I had never heard before and was completely alien, but I understood it and I could communicate with it. We, and I just talked and I asked random questions and it spoke to me, telling me about, about things, about my life, just showing me beyond life, just having this very wonderful conversation. And at the end of it, it just looks at me and says, as your time is up and I fall. Everything disappears around me and I just fall. I fall through blackness and all I come back into my body with such a hard force that it jars me a little. And I look up and I'm back in the backyard and everything's on fire. Everything's kind of burning, but there's no sense of dread. There's no fear. There's only just warmth and a breeze just comes and everything just floats off like ashes. And I just see white just just avoid and the ashes rain back down almost floating like butterflies and just recreate everything like a charcoal drawing and one more gust of wind comes and blows it all away and suddenly i'm back and everything's normal again wow <laughs> it's really interesting you said about the elves because it seems um many people report on and seeing the elves or whatever they like to describe them as i find that really interesting when many people experience similar things mm. it just yeah, makes me wonder why yeah it's a certainly interesting phenomenon and i wonder if so many of us see it because we've been told you can see it mm, or if it's or if there's something just just beyond it and it's just kind of egotistical to think that it's all in your head perhaps there is something mystical to it mm. or otherworldly or interdimensional who knows that's really interesting wow. to me mm. it's, it's really like when you when you're explaining everything i could kind of picture 
certain elements, but there was so much that I was like, wow, that's amazing. But my brain can't even begin to comprehend what that must have looked like. So, yeah, that's amazing. It, it certainly was fun. And imagine it's, <laughs> man, that's just the best way that I can word it. It was, it was quite a trip. Wow. Okay. Well, thanks again for calling, Joshua. Really appreciate that. Some really um, interesting insight to the whole thing. And, yeah. Um, thanks for having me, guys. Okay. Thanks Excellent. very much. Well, cheers, man. Thank you. All right. Cheers, yeah. Joshua. Have a good one, guys. Bye. See ya. Okay. So that was the end of one conversation. That's uh, when we spoke to Josh. And we have one uh, final conversation to play now uh, with Craig. Um, that's it, isn't it, guys? Then we'll be back at the end to do the normal ending things. Yeah. So this is a link. A link? It's a link. Is it? Yeah. Okay, right. Yeah, done. That'll do. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> so you're calling on the, the psychedelic call-in show, right? Yes, yes, correct. Okay, and, and, and you use psychedelics yourself? Yes, quite often, I may say. Well, much less frequently than the beginning of what I would call my psychedelic journey. But due to the fact that, you know, I'm about to be a father and I got a lot of responsibilities to uphold and things to take care of. So I can't, you know, take as many journeys as I would like to nowadays. But yeah, but I'm I'm certainly quite experienced with various substances, even outside of the psychedelic I first started experimenting when I was kind of young. Uh, I was about maybe 14 or 15. I've always been interested in dreams. So anything that kind of would spark my interest along the lines of something that would mimic a dream or hallucinations, that's always caught my attention, even from a really young age. We were just talking about how um, like taking DMT um, is like a similar state to like having a dream. It puts you in that like same sort of zone. Absolutely. Yeah, it does. The first time that I experimented with DMT was maybe two years ago now. And I was with a friend of mine. We were in my room, which was in a basement, and the walls were made of concrete, but it wasn't really well done concrete. So the concrete was kind of maybe bubbly or I would say grainy. It just wasn't really smoothed over. It wasn't well done in the basement. It wasn't all the way finished. Mm-hmm. And we didn't properly know how to to ingest the DMT. So we just ended up loading bowls of it. I had a bong and my buddy just had a regular marijuana pipe and we smoked it and we smoked a lot of it. And we were both sitting up against the crappy wall and it's really hard to explain. Um, but immediately he started to turn into the texture of the wall and I just kept hitting the pipe because I knew, I knew that much. I knew you were just supposed to keep hitting it no matter what. So I just did that and I fully immersed in the experience. My, I I remember being so disorientated at first. It didn't get you, the, the DMT doesn't get you high. It doesn't change your consciousness. You're you, you're just your normal self and you, your environment completely drastically changes. I remember being so disorientated because it changed so quick. You don't really realize at what point everything becomes visually overactive. So I became so disorientated at the quick change that my friend basically disappeared and I immediately go, oh no. 
I'm not supposed to be doing this shit at work. I had <laughs> rolly chairs, like computer chairs in my basement. And I worked at a hospital at the time. So that's what I was used to seeing while I was at my job. So I immediately thought that I was at my job. I started freaking out and I saw my friend again. He he reappeared, but his whole body was a texture of the wall. And he opened his eyes really quick and looked at me and just gave me a look of satisfaction and just overwhelming joy. And he hit the pipe again and closes his eyes. And when he closes his eyes, he goes back into the wall. And at this point, I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm just going to close my eyes. Let me tell you right now, it doesn't make a difference whether your eyes are open or closed. You're going to virtually see the same patterns overlaying everything. Hmm. I close my eyes and it's almost as if we're in a, a tunnel. The There was a blue aura around everything. There was just sort of this blue ether, this blue space. And I could see my friend that I was with. We were traveling up this tunnel and at this point he was in front of me and I was maybe, um, I don't know. Uh, a mile behind him, but I could see him. And I saw him getting taken up into this space. But before he goes and disappears into this space, I pass through him and go a different way. And I really start freaking out at this point. And I open my eyes and I establish with myself that this is way more psychedelia than I ever would have wanted it not in an unpleasant way but just in a psychedelic overload kind of way it was way too much information way too much going on and my body had never felt anything so jolting before so i opened my eyes and i stood up i couldn't really tell where i was i had forgotten that i was in my room at this point nothing looked the same and i started to sort of manipulate the matter of my concrete surroundings. I was waving my hand around the floor and I would pull the concrete up from the floor and it would bubble up and wave like it was made of liquid. And this, at this point, I thought that I was in a dream. Like I said earlier, I've been really interested in anything pertaining to dreams um, from a very young age. So I thought that was really cool. So for the rest of the experience, I just decided to keep my eyes open and kind of mess with the matter. It's a very forgetful experience. Um, Just, I think it's just because you get so much information and you, you literally see colors that don't exist and you see forms and possible shapes that don't exist. So your brain really isn't conditioned to take in that kind of data and remember that kind of data. So you forget a lot like you do with your dreams after you come back from the experience or if you don't get enough chance to resonate with the experience, then you're going to forget. You're going to wake up and you're going to be like, oh, well, it was me and my buddy and we were, you know, on a rooftop and we all had wings. And then, um, wait a minute, what happened? It's just going to kind of taper away. The more I spent time in my little dream space with my eyes open, the more the experience kind of started to taper away. And after about eight minutes of me just standing up in my room like an idiot, messing with stuff, probably appearing on the outside to just be kind of touching the wall or just moving my hands like an idiot, my friend comes out of his experience and he immediately starts crying. And I ask him what's wrong. I'm still tripping. I'm not really... When when you come down, when the overwhelming visuals stop, it's kind of like a a medium dose LSD trip for about 10 minutes and then you come completely back to baseline. I was still having some minor visuals. 
he comes immediately out of his experience and he starts crying. And I go, what's wrong? He said, I just went home. He was having, well, he wasn't currently having, but his he's had a hard life, I guess you can say. He's had some losses in his life with some family members. And he says he completely recollects the experience as being somewhere that he's totally been before. People that he's lost are currently there. And when we pass on from this life to the next life, that's where we're going to go. And when I had my eyes closed, I definitely had a sense of overwhelming familiarity there was a sense of of a calming effect due to the fact that it was so familiar. My interpretation of the whole experience is this is the place that you go. It's really hard to explain. I really don't know how to, to say it. I don't very often get to explain these kind of things, but the DMT space that you go to when you fully immerse yourself in the experience is the same place that you go or that you are right before you're waiting to be born. Ancient texts say that it takes, I believe, 42 days for the spirit to get inside of the embryo, inside of the womb. And during this time where the um, the fetus is developing, I believe the spirit is being kind of like customized. And I believe that this DMT space where people commonly see entities that try to give them information, this is the same place that you are in while you're waiting to go into your, your vessel, your body. That's at least what I got out of the experience. And would you say that's the same place that you go like after you die? If I was going to say that I subscribe to all of the spiritual ideas about life after death, I would say that after you die, you go through a process similar to when you're going to sleep. If you've ever had a lucid dream or if you've ever felt the sensation of yourself falling asleep, then you might know what I'm talking about. You kind of feel the sensation of yourself getting out of your body. Then you pass through the same dimension in which you dream, where you manipulate the matter, where you control the outcome. Everything there is a product of your own mind. Then you hit the space where the entities are, the external entities outside of your own mind. You hit the space where there are things trying to teach you stuff. This is where people go when they blast off on DMT. And this is the very same space where you're waiting to go into your human incarnation. And this is also the space, it's kind of like a, a meeting area for everything you're going to need to know about your afterlife until you incarnate into another body. So let's say you die, you're going to pass through a dreamlike phase. And this is going to be the phase where you get the life review. You're going to get the chance, like um, how people describe in near-death experiences. You're going to get the chance to see everything you've done in life, everything yeah. you've affected in life. But the reason it's described as a heaven or a hellish sensation is because you're not experiencing what you've done good and bad from your own perspective. The kick is that you experience it from the perspective of those you affected. So if you acted like a dick for 10 years of your life in your dream state after you die in that phase of it, you're going to experience that 10 years of negatively affecting things from the perspective of those who were affected. After you fully integrate your karma or your life review, you either reincarnate into another body based off of what you learned in this life or into another, you know, just living thing on this earth or 
somewhere else if there is other dimensions that you can be incarnated into. If you didn't learn enough, basically, you're going to get incarnated into a body over and over until you learn enough. But if you finish your life review and your karma lines up to where you can pass on to a higher dimension, then you go to the space that you hit when you blast off on DMT. There are going to be entities there, very intelligent things, waiting to inform you on continuing your journey into the ether and into the void and eventually maybe becoming what they currently are somebody who meets somebody at the end of the gates and informs them on their further journey it's a it's a really interesting take on it i mean we've just been sitting here like absorbing it all Mm. um it's it's interesting to talk to different people who use psychedelics and hearing their different um like the different takes on on the the um, planes that you go to, and if you do go to another plane, yeah, all, yeah. It's, it's it's really interesting. Different people's ideas and stuff, um, and that whole thing about it being the same existence from before you're born and after you die and stuff. Um, I think you're the first person we've spoken to who's had that sort of idea of that. I, I really think a lot about it. Have you taken anything today at all? No, not besides no. cannabis. I was just wondering because you're like. You're getting very deep. I like I'm I'm loving your like analogies and stuff. Yeah, um, I really love the opportunities when I get to explain this kind of thing to somebody that that wants to actually hear it. So, what is it that got you interested in like psychedelics in the first place? Was it just the opportunity arose when you were like 14, 15 to try it, and you went with it, or uh, well, what, what made you keep pursuing it? Was it just that experience was so interesting and different to you. You were just like, I've got to do that again. I've got to try that again. Well, when I was a really younger, when I first got into doing drugs at all, I really, all, all I really wanted to do was just ever, I just wanted to see stuff. Mm-hmm. That's all. I just wanted to hallucinate. Uh, before I even, you know, was interested in cannabis, I only wanted to just see stuff. I did come in contact with some mushrooms and it was blizzarding outside the snow was so bad that every store in my small town was closed i'm actually from ferguson the town with uh, mike brown and that whole situation that that actually went went down right outside my like house oh wow it's fucking snowing sideways out there it's going crazy and the right before we went outside the walls had just started to breathe and it was my first visual happening with psychedelics. So I was just, I was happy. I was through the roof. So I I didn't care where we were going. As long as shit was moving, I was going. I looked down at the snow and it's normal. It's white. I blink and then it's blue. And then I blink again and then it's really golden yellow. And I just immediately just start dying laughing and it ended up being like a really great trip. And that was my first psychedelic experience out of all of the psychedelics that I've done. LSD is the one that unlocked my mind to, to all of the infinite possibilities and infinite outcomes and the knowledge of all of the things that I know out of all of the the substances lsd is the one that's done it for me really more more so than dmt even yeah Hmm. just due to the fact that i i feel like this is just this is a 100 subjective there is a there was a piece of me that was missing like a puzzle piece missing in a random spot on my body somewhere 
And when I took LSD, the puzzle piece filled in and I understood everything. Mm. I understood everything about myself, about substances, and it didn't go away. I immediately just knew and it didn't go away. And would you um, advise others to seek a psychedelic experience or is it just not for everyone? It's definitely not for everyone. If someone was to ask me about a psychedelic, I would definitely give them 100% unbiased information. But you got to know the risks with these things. Mm -hmm. They're not toys. I wouldn't consider a lot of psychedelics to be recreational. So it all depends on what you're looking to get out of the experience and also what kind of history you have mentally because they can really trigger some latent things in some people. I know I really hate to, to, to say the downsides of psychedelics because they're very, very helpful tools and they, they're, they're going to mark my words. They're going to end up being some of the most remarkable and revolutionary medicine in history, but there are good and bad sides to these drugs so I would say to people who want to try psychedelics, as long as you know who you are at all times and you're comfortable with learning some truths that you might not be in favor of, then go for it. If you can handle it, you just have to know the risk and you have to educate yourself and don't approach these things like they're toys. That, that'll keep you safe for the most part. The more research that gets done on these things and the more seriously that it's that it gets taken by the public and by government, then the more safely we can do these things in our environments and have better experiences that'll actually, you know, help the situation rather than make these things seem like they're bad. Because you got all these stories in the media of kids taking research chemicals and you know, thinking that it's one thing and it's another thing, so they OD on it. So then the whole, um, the whole psychedelic scene gets bad rep for it. Things like that happen and stop people from wanting to research and look further into it because they think that there's a risk that they're going to die. But the more research and the more um, studies that get done on these things is going to just help and open the doors for all the people that do have a lot of questions and that do want to do this in a safe way. Okay, man. It was really interesting talking to you. <laughs> thanks, man. I really enjoyed, you know, speaking on all yeah, of this. I... Okay, man. Well, thanks a lot. Thanks, thanks man. Cheers. See you. Thank you. So that was Craig Elazer we just spoke to there, uh, who is a self-proclaimed philosopher and psychonaut who contacted us on Reddit. Uh, that was... Um, section of conversation we have with him he's also starting his own podcast soon so um we'll give him a little nod when he starts that up awesome um and that's it for the psychedelic calling wow how long has we been working on this (laughs) it was like all year yeah Yeah, we've been just recording little bits of this as they as and when they come but that's what we've got and if if you enjoyed the call-in and you want us to do more um any of the subjects we've covered before we'd be happy to do call-ins of if you want to call in with um like your miracles that have happened to you or um sleep paralysis stories or anything like that you know that would be cool too so it might not be the one and only call-in show we ever have no hopefully not Although i'd love a call-in show where it's just quick, thick and fast like um like at alan partridge just like do you believe in this uh just like line one 
Yes. Line two. No. Line three. Um, I haven't thought about it. Line four. <laughs> Beautiful. We need we'll to get a whole it. desk. We'll try it. Next week, we've got a beef-hosted episode. Which we actually just recorded. Yeah. But that's what you got next week. We won't reveal what it is yet. I just freaked out because we, I thought we were on the same show and I was just like, why are you talking about the same? Yeah. It's, it's confusing when we're doing it like this, but. Yeah. Mate, you need to go to bed. Yeah. Um, um... Oh, yeah, because, well, next episode, I'm going to be a little more tired than usual. So there's a heads up. A <laughs> <Okay>. um, <laughs> heads up. So if you want to get in contact about anything, uh, unexplainableuk at mail.com. We got our Facebook group now, facebook.com slash. We're Tasley Unexplainable. Just search us on there, you know, like us on there, become friends. There's news and stuff on there. Uh, you know, the blog's there. Everything is updated on the blog all the time for every episode. Weird Tales and the Unexplainable.blogspot.com. Oh, we have so many things to say now. I know. Uh, have I forgotten anything? I don't think so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Lovely. Please rate us. Yeah. As long as it's a good rating. Yes. Um, and so until next time, have a nice trip. See, I told you.